Hi, I'm Leslie Adamas, and welcome to Race Forward, a weekly podcast on God and race relations. This is a progressive, faith-filled conversation that will anger you, encourage you, and equip you. Thanks again for joining us today. You picked a great day to listen in. Here is my friend and the host of Race Forward, Pastor Chuck Allen. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Race Forward, God and Race Relations. Today, we have a very cool guest with us, and I've been chatting with him, and I cannot wait for you to get to know John Scott from Columbus, Ohio, Connections Pastor at Three Creeks Church and a traveling speaker, a husband of one uh, and a daddy of three beautiful girls. I was telling John, I've got six daughters earlier, and he said, you know, I don't know anybody who has six daughters. And I said, that's because they've all died before they got to my age. So uh, welcome today. We're going to tackle a few interesting things that I think you're going to find fascinating. But as always, I've got my good friend, Karan Boston and Mal Manessis with yes, us sir. here for Race Forward today. And like usual, we want to start with a bit of a light conversation. And it goes like this. What is a phrase that you hear in your culture or maybe just in your own personal vernacular all the time that really doesn't mean what people think it means? So, Karan, get us started. Let me say it like this. If you ever hear a black person tell you that they are around the corner, that means they're not around the corner. If you wait for them and they say they're around the corner, you might as well go in the house and watch TV because they'll be there in 30 minutes. They ain't right. at the house yet. I feel like I've heard you say that on the way to a staff meeting. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I was around the corner. Yeah. I was around the corner. Depending on which corner you were thinking. Yeah, you didn't tell me the corner was at the airport 80 miles away. Right, right. Yeah. So right. I, I, I was around the corner. So. Hey, everybody, this is John Scott. And uh, so, John, I'm going to throw it your way. So, in your vernacular, in your culture, what is something that we say all the time or hear all the time that doesn't really mean what people think it means? Yeah. So I hear this a lot, this phrase that I'm going to share with you a lot within the black culture, but you may find it across other cultures as well. But in the same sense, if you hear a black person say you're on the phone with them and you hear them say, hey, um, let me call you back. Uh, don't look for or expect a call later yeah, on that day yeah. because they're not going to call you back. That's their I am so of getting off the phone. You. Don't yeah. hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I use those kind of things to say goodbye. Right. Like you're, in, you're in one of those meetings, you got to go, but everybody keeps talking. And so inevitably I say something like, hey, I got to run. And what that means is goodbye. And I have no intention of coming back. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, hey, I'm still waiting for John Scott to call me back. By yeah, yeah, right. You know why? He's just around the corner. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, Mal, I can't wait to hear the Hispanic view on this one. Bro, man, if you if you are Mexican, Central American from the Caribbean or South America and somebody asks you or somebody invites you to a party, said, hey, man, it's just going to be a small party, just a few people. You can count on that being completely the opposite because everybody's <laughs> mom, everybody's auntie, everybody's cousin, everybody's going to be there. And there's going to be food for an army. So when they say yeah, it's just a small little gathering, yeah. that is, uh, yeah, that's yeah, not. You know, I, I have <laughs> seen that, I've seen that played out. And mine is usually things like, um, so when 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 are you going to get back to me? And if I if you ever hear me say I'll be back in a bit, that could mean anywhere from two minutes to twelve months. Right? <laughs> a bit is just kind of whatever. You know, They're on the side of 12 months. Yeah, <laughs> nobody knows what that means. And that right. gives you a lot, a lot of room to move. All right, let's jump in, guys, because we got 
a lot to talk about. And this was one of the uh, this is one of the, the things I enjoy about uh, Race Forward is that we get to have guests on and get to hear their take on a lot of things. So, John, uh, I've introduced you to our uh, to our audience, but tell us a little bit about you and your family, but and really tell us about the ministry and the work that you're doing in Columbus, Ohio, and how God led you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like Chuck said, I am I'm a connections pastor here in Columbus, Ohio, to a church called Three Creeks Church. We're actually a church plant, so we're we're three year old church. Um, God has been doing some great things through our our church and our ministry there. Um, husband to a beautiful bride named Keandra, and like you said, I have three amazing daughters, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. So I'm definitely in the thick of it, right? Like mm. it's, mm, mm. the house is crazy, but um, it's a joy at the same time. But um, yeah, just doing through my connections, doing the connections pastor role there. I oversee our community groups, uh, our local impact, wearing a, a lot of hats, as you maybe can imagine with uh, a church plant, because there's just uh, there's a small staff of us, but it's amazing. God is doing some great things. Yo, yo, this boy John is out here speaking so articulate right now. Is he? Yeah, I, I am. Huh? That's right there. I'm baffled. Call, yeah, that's what we call in the production business a segue. Uh, yeah, yeah. How do you get from one thing to another? How do you go from Columbus, Ohio to this statement? And that is, uh, you know what? I met the most articulate young black guy today. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I can honestly say I've never had anybody introduce me as, you know, I met Chuck. He's the most articulate white guy. Uh, you know, for we don't say those things. John, has there ever been somebody that introduced you or described you as uh, uh, a black guy that happens to be articulate? Or are you, or are you John? And, wow, he is an articulate black man. Oh, I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. So the, I, one story comes to mind. Before I became the Connections Pastor here at Three Creeks, I was working at an urban youth Christian sports camp in uh, southwest Missouri. If you're ever familiar with Branson, maybe you are, maybe not. But I was over there working for a Christian sports camp there. And what we did, directors, I was the lead director of the high school camp. What we did often as directors, we would go over to our sister camp from time to time and we would give a pitch to um a group of very affluent like families, uh, just basically families with a lot of money and ask them like, hey, like we're the Urban Christian Sports Camp. Guys doing some great things. We would love you guys to come and support. But obviously I had a very detailed, like polished spiel that I would get. After this particular day that I, I gave my spiel um, at what they call their closings, uh, an elderly white guy came up to me. He said he was a professor at some university and he said, uh, man, you were so articulate. Like the way you just broke down and explained everything, like, gosh, like that was so great. And I, I had this awkward smile at him, like, thanks, but no, thanks. That was very offensive. <laughs> I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I really did. But it was just so, I was like, so offensive. And, and maybe that wasn't his heart in it, but uh, I just, it, it, what crossed my mind was, what did you expect for me to sound like? And what he said, even I didn't say that, but what he said, um, even after he was sharing how articulate I was, he said, the person that you guys brought last year when I came, he didn't do a good job. And so that made me, <laughs> that made it worse because I was like, oh my gosh, well, thank goodness that I did. Like maybe I, 
as Way far to go, as John. You actually delivered. Education. Yeah, I think I delivered from my people, the culture, right? That's what I mean, seriously. Okay, so I, I, I get this concept, but I yeah. mean, so let me let me wade in here as the white guy, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, okay, I just full and total confession. In another day of my life, I I have spoken of black men and women and used this phrase. Okay. All right. So let me just be totally transparent. I've done this before. Uh, today, uh, I I can't imagine that I would ever go there. Yeah. But it's only because of an awareness of what you just described at the offense. Mm. That whether it is assumed or not doesn't change the offense. Right, right. You know, and to me, that's from a Christian perspective, it is, I think we have an obligation to stop and think to ourselves, if you just took the fruits of the spirit and decided, how am I going to ensure that I impart those without the bruising of that fruit? Mm. And I could eliminate every possible hiccup between a healthy relationship or not. That's one of those that you just don't do. Yeah. Right. right but right. I, I think it's fair to say, and I'm, I mean, if we've got listeners right now that are my age, I'm 61. And I think we have listeners who say, we've said that before. We would have never meant anything by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, Karan, uh, I think, Karan, what, they, what we're really saying is, um, you know, compared to most black people, you sound more white. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that's a hard? Yeah. Isn't that really what Check this out. I was uh, walking through the airport with my wife in uh, Atlanta airport, super diverse there, or I would say more more on the brown black side of things than there yeah. is white folks you see. Um, that's because the city of Atlanta. Now, neither here nor there. But me and my wife are walking through the airport and we're just sitting there thinking like, huh, it'd be really cool to work for the airport. Why? Because you get to fly for free. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, not only that, it, it seems like a decent job. You know, yeah, you just yeah, yeah. Give, give people a reason to smile on they when you swipe their airport and make sure they have a good day. You could do that, baby. Right. And so we actually talked with one of the young ladies who was uh he, I don't know what you call her, but she's one of the people that just kind of stands and directs the line. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, this yeah, way, yeah, keep going yeah. And uh, we walked like on over. The TSI, like, hey. On the security side? Yeah, 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 yeah. We walked over to her and we was just like, hey, yo, well, t- tell me about the the process of trying to get a job here. Like, you know, what what does it look like? Is it hard? Is it this? Yada, yada, yada. And uh, she starts explaining it. And then my wife responds to her. And my wife is, quote unquote, very articulate. (laughs) And so when she responded to her, the young lady was like, yeah, see, you probably get a better position because you speak like that. Straight oh up. Oh my gosh, you're wow. kidding. So but I mean, she was serious. She wasn't she just was messing so with What was, was this lady so white or black? Yeah, she was a black girl. She was a black oh girl. Oh my stars. That she, is crazy. In her mind, she yeah. had learned, experienced, yeah. seen people who sound uh, quote unquote better uh, get better jobs because it's easier for people to hear them and attribute to them education, knowledge, and oh um, dignity. So yeah. it was like, yo, that's Dang. wow. Yeah. It is amazing to me the worth of humanity we lay on people based on what they speak or how they speak. Like, I I, I really can't hide my Southern accent. 
And as a result, there are parts of the country when I travel in, my IQ goes down six points because I speak with a Southern accent. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll never forget. This has nothing to do with y'all, but this is this is white people problem here. All right. So uh, I'm in a Dunkin Donuts in North Kingstown, Rhode Island. And when I was a little boy, I lived there. So I went in and I'm talking to this girl. I said, can you give me directions to Davisville Elementary School? And uh, she said, why? And I said, well, I used to go to school there. I'll never forget. She looked back at me and with her best New England accent said, what happened? And it's like, I just talk like this. I don't mean to, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, it's just kind of who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do, I, re- I will say, honestly, like Karan, when I hear that story, I, I think we hear this and I think there's a difference in how uh, a black man or woman hears a black man or woman and responds that way and how a white man or woman responds that way. Because mm-hmm. sure. I'm serious when I don't, I don't think most people say that with the intent for it to be offensive. I really yeah. don't. I, yeah. I do think they say it with the intent to say, wow, they sound more like I do. For sure. And, I, and I agree with that. And I'll, I'll toss it to John here because I'm sure he's got plenty to say, but I definitely can tell like when somebody, and I've been called articulate or slash well-spoken all the time, I can tell that when the person says that, they mean it in a compliment. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's really trying to maliciously right. say, man, get your articulate behind up out here. Ain't nobody <laughs> trying to, you know, be offensive with it. But they don't realize, like, you're saying to me that I shouldn't sound the way in which I do because of how I look. What do you think, John? Right. I agree. And, I mean, your story attests to, like, the issue that's in both camps, right? So African-American, African-American, that it. it that is like one of the biggest offense, I think. And I tell any any black person that I've gotten this a lot when I've grown up was just like, John, you, you're Oreo or you sound white. And I go, do you know how much that sets us Oreo. back as a people? That is like one of the worst things you can say because you're feeding into the, wow. the plot that like, oh, African-Americans are supposed to sound uneducated. And, and I'm yeah. just like, that's not the case. And so... On one hand, if you speak away around people who look like you, you run the risk or you can be called Oreo or looked at as a sellout or all these different ways. And then the opposite mm-hmm. counterpart, I mean, it, it, it all, the whole thing is just rooted so deeply into like yeah. just prejudices and, and things that That's were true. just um, infiltrated into our mind, into our nation, like from years ago. That if we're not careful or, and be quick to recognize these things, like we find ourselves yeah. falling into these situations. You know, John, I, I I was talking to a friend. This has been months ago now, but he used a term I'd never heard. But it, I think it applies to what you're you're talking about and what Karan's talking about. And Mal, I want to get to you because I, I guarantee mm-hmm. you you've got some insight here. But uh, my friend said uh, that sounded like stereotypical bigotry. And I'd never mm-hmm. heard that term before. But when I hear that term stereotypical bigotry, it is the assumption that I look at you and I can tell you're black. I mean, John, I'm looking at you on the screen right now. There's no question you're a black dude. Right. 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 Um, So there is an assumption built in immediately of what you're going to sound like. Yeah. Yeah. But if you think about that, if you put that if you put that responsibility on every person in America and then you started about the blend of who we're becoming as a people. Yeah. In America, I, I wonder how many times that we completely, we completely miss 
the the person and their humanity and and the person God created them to be and missed out the opportunity of being uh, in friendship and relationship with them because of foolish stereotypical bigotry that become That's assumptions true. within our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you a question before I go to Mal, John, and that is, do you think that uh, do you think that these things happen uh, more in the South? I mean, you live in Ohio. Do you think do you think they happen more here or you think this is a more universal thing? Um I I would say universal still. I mean, I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Um but I, I there's not no place that I, I I mean, I've lived in Missouri uh prior to Columbus, Ohio. I mean, I feel like it's it's everywhere. I feel like it's been yeah. instilled. Yeah. Yeah, and just passed You know, down. on the one hand that makes me feel better, on the other hand it saddens me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so Mal, you know, uh, clearly you're a brown dude, and yes, I, I am. I've been with you. I'm telling you, you're as brown as they get, bro. And um, oh, it's one of the reasons I love you so. <clears throat> but yes, I bet you have a version of you're so <laughs> articulate, man. I do. See, with Latinos, it even begins with the language itself. The first reaction would be like, "Oh, so you speak English." <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? So you're not expecting me to speak English? And the second one is, uh, you don't have an accent. It's like, what does that mean? Don't you mean you, I don't talk like this? <laughs> like, you, you want some tacos to go with us? <laughs> you know, they're expecting me. If I talk English, I'm going to talk like this, sir. Yeah. It's like, why? You know, I, that's funny. Yeah. As sad as it is, it's funny. Yeah. Because so uh, I got a story on that too. Um, man, I, I was talking with some of my uh, my brown friends because you ain't my only one. Shout out to the brown people in the world and yeah, the white yeah. folks. Love all y'all. Uh, we were sitting there having this conversation about how um, their their father learned his English from a black family, and so mm-hmm. within uh, within African American dialect, if you will, like I say dialect because there are literally patterns in our methods of communication that are uh, so much so us that most people hear and like that sounds funny, but when we hear it, we just like we just having a whole conversation, right. and so um. And for example, one of that is like dropping the verb to be like, instead of saying you are going, we say you going, like you going mm. to, uh, you going to the store, Man, instead of, are you going to the store? You know, like <laughs> dropping a G, dropping yeah. a G behind something instead of saying you're, are you tripping? We're saying so, um, so he learned his english from a black family and now he's as spanish as spanish can be but learning english from a black family and now when he gets on the phone a lot of people think that he's a black man and when they yeah, meet him funny. in person they're like Who okay is that's this funny yeah that's i've gotten right that a there. couple times i've gotten that a couple times man I, I i if i had time i'd tell you the whole story but i gonna tell you the story where i met a, i i made a 50 dollar tip because i was at a mexican restaurant and i always wear black you know and i was walking down towards the bathroom and this lady pulled me you know from my shirt she's like can you bring me more soda please <laughs> <laughs> like grabbed the cup and I just, you know, I went to the machine and walked in the kitchen, just brought her soda and she said, Oh, you're so nice and you speak English. That's awesome. And she gave me fifty dollars, she put it in my back pocket. <laughs> and you and you kept it, right? Of course. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. I was doing this, you know, I was giving that's her soda. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I can say having been in Mexico with you, Mal, 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you are a rock star when you walk down through some of those streets. I mean, Karan, you got to go with us next time. John, I was in Mexico with this guy and seriously, do it. Walking down the streets. I mean, he's like a rock star with these folks, but it's because that ministry's ministered to so many people. All right, I'm going to get back on topic here. So John, help us understand real quick. Um, I think all of us have made some pretty good points on this topic, but where do we think where do we think that this comes from? Like, what is the root of this? Because I, I think, again, I think a sane person would say, okay, I can see the offense in that. Yeah. But where, where, what's the root of this? Yeah, I think uh, I think I shed a little bit on it, shed light on it a little bit um, earlier. I think um, with the experience and the trauma of the event of the event of slavery, um, of the event of segregation, I think we'll all be silly to think that uh, there's no remnants of just our like our consequences from those things that are still lingering on today. And so um, I believe. I mean, I, I think about times where, I mean, if you just go back to segregation in itself, I mean, it's like, okay, you, you, you people only eat over here. You people can eat mm. here. Typically people that look like me, the places that they were allowed to eat and drink probably wasn't as lavish, like the places that Chuck, people that look like you were. Right. That. So right. you're in that, like you're, you're, uh, whether you're saying this verbally out of your mouth or not through your actions, what you're, you're communicating to people is that, um, People with darker skin like get less than or trash things like they they and so or I mean and, and even like slavery and all of that not being allowed to to read and and do all this stuff learning to read or write or any of that stuff like uh, I I believe that that lingers on like all of that stuff like how black people were perceived from the time they came over here to America mm-hmm. that mindset. Uh, has has been passed down and it's just morphed in different ways. Like um, I'm not, I wouldn't say that it it hasn't gotten better, but I do believe that there is still um, mindsets that people still hold on to. Like the idea, mm-hmm. of maybe you're in a, a predominantly black area and you're a white woman, and you start to clench your purse a little bit. Like you got to start to think, like, what's that? Why why did I do that? Why did I just think to That's do it. that? I'm just using it That's as true. an example these different prejudices that we form, you yeah. got to start figuring out what, where does that come from? And why is that something that I, I tend to act out in? You know, that, I- that's a, that's a pretty deep subject. My, uh, my youngest two daughters graduated from Norcross high school here in Gwinnett County. It's a predominantly African-American school. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were in the vast minority in the school and, um, it's interesting because the the dialect that became a norm because all their friends are black, mm. the dialect that um, that that Quran is talking about became a norm in their in in just their everyday conversations. They're right. still there, and I I find it funny because on the one hand I'm proud because they they don't think anything about it because their friends are still just they have as many black friends as they do white friends, you know, mm-hmm. so. I don't think anybody would would hear our youngest daughter Samantha and say, "Wow, you sound black." Right, right, I right. I don't, and I don't think I don't think it happens that way. And I think you know, Mal, there there are going to be people listening to this, and uh, probably white people uh, who are going to listen to this and say, "Oh, come on!" It's kind of like what John said. We've come so far. I mean, come on, can we not recognize how far we've come? And uh, you know, part of the part of the vein that runs through this podcast is 
we recognize we've come so far. We just recognize we got so far to go. True. So That's why true. would you exactly. why would you stop now? You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Mount, like, like, weigh in. This concept of at what point does somebody have a conversation with you and not assume that uh, you're a landscaper and you can't speak English? Like, at what point do we have this conversation? And I've got a really deep thought on this, but I'm gonna save it for right now. Man, it's 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 one of those things that what what you guys were saying and, and what John was just saying now, everybody just decides to put you in the same category and, and and not that being a landscaper or washing the dishes is just a bad thing, is they just assume that because of my color, I'm not gonna speak the language, or if I speak it, I'm gonna speak it with an accent, or if I have an accent, I'm not gonna know a lot to say about a specific subject. And and they just don't take the time to learn about me you know, mm, specifically right. me, That's maybe good. there are, you know, some people that don't speak the language that doesn't make them any less than me. Right. Uh, they just make them a foreigner and they're in the process of learning. So I think that the point where that ends is when we start paying attention to the person in front of us, not mm -hmm. looking at color, but looking at the person and, and mm. and, then, and and when you become part of that person in that environment and what that person knows and doesn't know, then, then you really do become part of a solution and not just the problem of assuming, because yeah. I could be so assuming good. a lot of things about the person that is asking me the questions. And, and, you know, to be fair, it goes both ways. A lot of times, sure. you know, we make assumptions being Latinos about, you know, white Americans about sure. what they're thinking yeah. about me. And maybe sometimes they're not. So just to be fair, there, there's also that perspective. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's absolutely true. I really do. Karan, one of the things that I think that we've got to uh, we've got to figure out is so what is it in our culture that allows this to be cultivated and continued rather than being one of the next steps that we we work our way through? Like I compare yeah. a lot of this kind of thing to I read the other day of this cat who set a world deadlift record. Last week, he deadlifted 1,104 and a half pounds. I mean, that's a beast of a human being, right? right? But, I, you know, I don't feel like we're in a state where we have to deadlift some of these issues. Some of these issues ought to be easy for us to pick up and be mm -hmm. done with. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is one of those, which is, yeah. you know, Karan, you, you gave me a white paper a year ago or more uh, entitled, Do You See Me? And this, this issue, in many ways, is at the heart of that, which is, if I want to know John, then it doesn't matter how I think he speaks. I just want to know John. And one of the reasons mm -hmm. I want to know John is because, listen, me and John both love the Lord, and we're, 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 rooted in the same, we're rooted in the same garden of trying to cultivate things that matter for the kingdom of God. Sure. So mm -hmm. why do I care how he speaks? You know, and just... Yeah. But I think that takes a spiritual maturity. I believe at the heart of this spiritual yeah. issue. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So what I'm about to say this right here, it shouldn't matter how he speaks. It does matter what he speaks. There you go. Because when we press past in order to actually understand one another, we attribute value to one another. And you asked the question, like, how does this cultivate the issue? Um, well, number one, it starts with America assuming that everyone that comes here or lives here needs to Anglo conform. And what I mean by that is it's saying that just like the European standard of beauty, we'll talk about that in another uh, podcast, there is a European way of communicating. And if any if anything isn't communicated on this way, it's not accepted in academia. It's not accepted in a professional realm. 
and it should not be seen as equal. And so what we need to do as a people is break the habits of forcing people to Anglo conform. Um, I know that I've, I'm not trying to toot no horn here, but I went to a private college, um, graduate, graduated a part of on the president's list, magna cum laude and all that yada, yada bull. Uh, I've had to write papers that had to be written a certain way. Mm. But when I finished writing those papers, I went back and I talked the way that was comfortable for me and people understood me. Right. But if I would have wrote those papers the way that I talk, I would have gotten a bad grade for them. Wow. And so there is even in academia a way in which we are forcing people to conform to a certain pattern of communication. And when you do that, you strip the person of their sense of being themselves and you uh, motivate more that in order to make it here in this country, you need to be this prototype. Wow. And so we have to get past that. Man, there we is have a, to there's, there's a show this. right there. I mean, yeah. John, you'll have to come back on and let's <laughs> do a show right there because honestly, Quran, I know we're up against it and we got to wrap this segment, but I, I think, I think what you just said and listening to what John and Mal had to say about what this stereotype and what this, uh, what I believe is this spiritual uh, wrong assumption that we lay on people, uh, it truly is a spiritual issue, I think, you know, and, and I understand that we have listeners who are going to say, oh, come on, Chuck, that's just a bunch of crap. You know, that's not true. And I would say, man, open your open your mind just a little bit to this and have a have a willingness to recognize that we all have an ounce of this in us. Uh, it doesn't matter what color you are, how old you are. We have an ounce of this in us because we're sinful men and women living in a fallen world. Right. But I, but we also have, as believers, we have the presence of the Spirit of God that can well up and remind us that, wait a minute, we we are to build relationships with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, not exactly. bruise them. We're, we right. are here. We are here to build the body up, not to destroy it. And to do so, we we have to recognize that God made us in wondrous ways. And um, thank, I mean, I thank the Lord for a church like Sugar Hill Church that uh, Mm -hmm. while we're still a predominantly white church, uh, one of the things, Karan, if you remember when you came on board, I said something that might have been offensive at the time, now that I think about it, so I'm sorry. But one of the things that I said to Karan John was, man, I don't, I don't need you to come here and be a black guy that acts like a white guy. I, mm-hmm. I need you to come be a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, the last thing I need is somebody trying to be what they're not. Like when, when, when Mal came on board, he's like, bro, I don't, I don't need you to, be, I don't need you to be a guy that mm-hmm. is Brown, but you act like me. That's the last thing our culture needs. Yeah. I think we can celebrate the fact that the three of us are on the same uh, service team and serving beside one another and recognize God made us all uniquely different for a purpose for yeah. his goodness right. and yes, for his grace. And so, John, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, man. And uh, we definitely want to have you back again. And uh, when you get ready to head back home and visit Jacksonville, you can stop in Atlanta on the way and preach for me and we'll have a good time. Come on, come on, that'd baby. Be, that'd be a lot yeah. of fun. And, as long as uh, I can get you in a, a Florida Gators uh, jersey. You know what? That that you've crossed the line now. 
boy, you're fired. It was going so good. Just when I thought you could preach for me, then you got way off there speaking in devil tongue. Man, get these people out of here, y'all. Yeah, that's just so wrong. All right, well, John, it's been great knowing you. And and as always, Mal, thanks, bro. I love you, man. I'm grateful for you. Karan, uh, I love you, buddy. I'm grateful that we get to do this together. And John, we will talk with you real soon. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for joining us on Race Forward, God in Race Relations. Go in peace. <laughs> <laughs>